0: This is the Girly Men Podcast. My name is Mike Girly, and I'm the host and founder of GirlyMen.com, a community for gay men and anyone self identified as the other, designed to help you own your personal dignity, strengthen your connection to your chosen family, and thrive in general society. Today's guest is Chris Kuwahara Smith. I wanted to interview Chris because he creates heart-centered community through his organization, California Gay Adventures. And after joining Chris and the members of CGA on a camping trip in Zion National Park, it became clear to me that Chris is doing something important, something that is both classic and radically different. California Gay Adventures delivers iconic American outdoorsman culture. That's the classic part. And he does it for specifically gay men and LGBT people. You know, this former Boy Scout from Idaho finds that idea to be pretty radical. Gay people just weren't allowed on the campsites where I grew up. So it's great to see that Chris has leveraged his love for outdoor activities to create space where all kinds of gay men find a sense of belonging. His own hero's journey through college sports and the Mormon faith, especially his mission while he was a Mormon, has left him with important life lessons that enable him to be the man he is today. And I would say that the man he is today is a true leader. He's creating community by being authentic and holding fast to his own values. So now let's get straight to it and on to the interview. The moment you realized you were a gay man, you were forced onto the path of the other, so you know oppression inside and out. The calling of otherness has led you on your own hero's journey, and that journey has prepared you for greatness. You are a man answering the call to brotherhood, to conscious sex, and to heart centered connection. Welcome home, brother. Today on the show, we have Chris Kuahara-Smith, and I've known you long enough to, I think I got close to being able to pronounce your name right. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Kuahara. Kuahara, yeah. Smith, you don't want to forget that. Thank you for being here. Um, but I just want to start just first by talking about CGA, California Gay Adventures. Just first of all, what is that? You know, how are you connected to that? And let's just start there so people can get oriented.
1: Yeah, thanks for inviting me, Mike. I'm excited to be on the on the show. Um, California Gay Adventures was a little bit of a we kind of stumbled into it. And that was from a lot of what we're gonna talk about today, uh, my life, b- background, and things growing up. My husband and I, were um, we're both Chris, so it's Chris Kuara Smith and Christopher Kuhara Smith. So there's two of us. Um, we came over from Arizona about six years ago about and I was in um had an off-road group in Arizona with some friends. It was called Cactus Four-Wheelers and came out here and just kind of experienced regular life, getting into West Hollywood. We lived downtown, trying to figure out where we fit in. And I realized I really needed my outdoors again. And so what we did is I started doing a lot of off-roading. I started a group called Pacific Four-Wheelers on Facebook. And then I realized that a lot of people don't have the extra money here to have kind of like their own play vehicles and extra things. And so we realized that a lot of people like hiking and camping. And I, we went out on a trip with some friends and we kind of came up with an idea that, hey, let's create a group and start doing this more and more. And it just evolved from there.
0: Okay. So it was basically just about, you know, guys getting together and, and off roading and outdoor stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, off roading, going mm-hmm. camping, you know, and then it's evolved into, where we could do some daytime adventures, skydiving, things like that. Well,
0: I'm older than you, enough older than you Um, that um, makes me think (laughs) um, a lot of gays would be like, what? (laughs) You want to do what? Was it called Gay uh, California Adventures at the beginning? Or did you just, was it like pseudo closeted? I mean, what was the deal? I mean, and what made you think that a bunch of gays would be into that?
1: You know, I think that's, that's interesting because it comes from that evolution as well from Arizona. When we did Cactus Four-Wheelers, Cactus Four-Wheelers was not, didn't have gay in it at all. We didn't even say anything about gay in any of it. Just in case we're going to get some homophobic people coming after us or trying to find where we're going. And that was back, you know, this had to have been like 2007 when we really, I got involved. It's been around for over 25 years. And we did have issues with some people afraid to show that they're gay on the internet, Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, had some fear because with Pacific four-wheelers, as we went forward, being in California, I felt a little more comfortable Um, at the end of years in Arizona, I felt more comfortable as well. And we called it Pacific four-wheelers kind of for the same reason it didn't have anything gay. But then I just added on an LGBT off-road group, you know, just to Uh see what would happen. And actually more people joined and we didn't have anybody They had an issue. It's been amazing over the last several years, I'd say, in just the way people, because I've dealt with the homophobic off-road guys, because that's a lot of what this is, the way people treat me and treat us as a community of being involved in things that maybe aren't stereotypically gay. So the reason why we call it California Gay Adventures is because, you know what, screw them. If they're not going to like us, you know what, we need to come out of fear. And I've really done that. And I'm proud, I'm proud that we've come this far.
0: Well, that's, you know, that's a really interesting. It's like a coming out process <laughs> for your organization. Exactly. Um, how does that mirror your own coming out process? I was raised with seven brothers and sisters in the Mormon family.
1: Uh, now, today at this date, I have, uh, I have a gay brother and a bisexual sister. So, you know, but at that time when I was growing up, I only knew about me. There was nobody like me in this world. So of course I had a, you know, a typical, we all come out at a certain time. I did not want to come out. I went on my Mormon mission. I was 21. I went to college after I got home from my Mormon mission. I went up to a school in Northern Arizona. While I was at school in Northern Arizona, I was actually outed by my college basketball coach in front of my entire college basketball team. Today that'd probably be on the news, but then I just put my tail between my legs and I left college. So after that point, I was excommunicated from my church from my dad as he was in the bishopric of the church. So it was, it was a little rough for me. You know, I've had a rough patch there for a a year and a half of really coming out.
0: What happens when two huge institutions said, you know, it's not okay with you being who you are. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What did that feel like?
1: Well, I mean, you kind of divide it into two. So the college Mm -hmm. part, We've all known that sports is one of those places where there's there aren't gays in sports. Well, you know, there's people like John Amici of, in the NBA that came out after he retired. That was awesome. That's mm-hmm. people like Dwayne Wade that are supporting their transsexual son. That's awesome, you know, and that's today. But you go back and there wasn't that when I was, you know, coming up. So I didn't even know if there was any other gay people. So I just, you know, I felt devastated, number one. Um, he was born-again Christian, and he felt like what he was doing was right.
0: Mm-hmm. I didn't
1: understand that at the time either. Uh, either. So I just kind of w- had a great relationship with all the players. I was kind of one of the team captains. I had a great relationship. As soon as that came out, that changed. It went from being in the light to being completely in the darkness. I was shunned by everybody. Anybody that was my friend was no longer my friend. Um, wow. I had a really hard time finishing out the semester, but I did. And then after that, I actually didn't finish college. I actually went back home, got a job, and, and then dealt with the family issues that I, that I mentioned. Being part of the Mormon church and coming out, you know, that was tough. I, I knew I was gay at 16 years old, 15 years old. I, I knew it, you know, and I hid it my entire life. I didn't mention it to anybody. Uh, maybe a couple people knew. So that was hard. It was very stressful growing up, being mm-hmm. in high school, playing sports, being in show choir, you know, doing all those things yep. that I really love to do, but not being able to be my true self. So I really took this as an opportunity when going back to college. Mm-hmm. That wow, this is my opportunity to come out. I mean, everybody's going to hear about it. So I went ahead and did it, and I just told my parents right up front, told my siblings, and uh, it was it was tough.
0: That's such an important part of your life that story right there it's just like all this is taken away from you you know and i i relate to that too and i've 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 seen the way you operate your events and parties and Mm -hmm. they have so much dignity and you're so giving and you're so loving and it's all done with this like heavy masculine holding space and i just see you as, as as this great guy you want not only at your event but like participating in it and leading it and to hear that that man was like told by these two different institutions, you've got to go. It's just, it breaks my heart just knowing that that kind of rejection happened. And so, you know, thank you for sharing that. And the reason I stopped you at that point was you had to make a decision and people's lives really take different trajectories on what happens at that point. And That's it's interesting to hear the way that you decided to just go full on. <laughs> yeah. I, decided,
1: uh, I, th- I thought I was a failure is really what I thought at the moment. You know, wow. I was, I w I was not the strong person that said, you know what, I'm gay, screw you. I'm going <laughs> forward. I, t- I look at it back today that said, man, I wish I would have done that. No, no, no. I put my tail between my legs. I hit in a ball. I went home and I cried, mm-hmm. you know, I did. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. it was tough. And then, After that, to go into a a long-term relationship pretty much right away and being excommunicated from my dad and my partner of seven years, not even, you know, my parents didn't even want to meet him. It was a lot and it was very, very tough. But it's funny, people say it gets better, but it really, really does. We learn from our past and it, it allows us to become who we are in the future. And, you know, I do, I feel like I was shunned. I feel like I was kind of thrown away. And I don't want other people to feel that way. And that's why I I run the group and my life, I guess, the way I do.
0: And that, that shows. That's the reason I wanted to bring that out. It's just like, why do people make these decisions? And that story that you just told, I think is really helpful in, in getting there. So you went from not being out to like being out and then like starting a magazine, putting gay, gay, gay on everything. So... <laughs>
1: I went through my little phase right around Y2K, where I was going out to the clubs, I was partying, I was having fun, coming home at 4.30 in the morning, you know, we did that. And then uh-huh. I really learned what the gay community was in Arizona and I got really involved. I was doing the pride parades and I was involved in the community raising funds and doing fundraisers. And for that probably 15 years of my life, I really was dedicated in the community, worked in the community a hundred percent. And that was wonderful, that was a great experience.
0: That's awesome, it's a, it's a great way to talk about that. So how did growing up LDS, like, you know, affect the way you run your business?
1: Yeah, I think I could go back to my Mormon mission a little bit. You know, that's something I did not want to do. But when you're (laughs) raised LDS, when you turn 19, that's a 100% expectation. My family, you know, seven brothers and sisters, everybody had gone on their mission before me. It just made sense. I was hiding who I was. And so, hey, I could hide it a little bit longer. I went on my mission and I was dreading it. I did not want to go. I went to Portland, Oregon, so I stayed stateside. So that felt good. And I can say after the mission, it was awesome. I loved it. I didn't really get into the proselytizing, knocking on doors
0: and telling people about... Could you give us a tiny bit about people who don't know what a Mormon mission is? What's what's the life of a missionary like?
1: So at 19 years old, you go on a two-year Mormon mission uh, for the LDS Church. For two years, you're expected to not connect physically with your family. You could call your mom on Mother's Day. You could call your family at Christmas. Um, You go out Day-to-day, door-to-door, you've probably seen the the missionaries riding their bikes with their helmets. That was me. We knock on doors. We talk to people about the church um, and why they should join the church and just sometimes just have conversations. It's not always about trying to convert people right away. Sometimes it's building a relationship and trying to gain some trust from them. So I enjoyed that. I'm a people person. It was fun to go out and talk to people who wanted to talk to you. It was even more fun to have people slam the door in your face because it kind of made it a game. You know, and that happened a (laughs) lot.
0: Wow. That's so, a great you know, skill to learn, uh, to learn about rejection. So many people build their whole lives around not experiencing that one single time. Do you have any idea how many times you experienced that kind of rejection on your mission?
1: I think that that really did help me build my rejection-proofness up. You know, kind of, Mormons are known as great salesmen, and I think that's why. They're, they're rejected multiple times a day. And, yeah. and you might get that one family that's interested in talking to you once a week, so every day you're out knocking on fifty doors or more, and you have one family
0: a week. So wow, those those percentages yeah, are that's amazing. And so you said um, you learn things from that that help you in in your business. Like what do you take from that?
1: Oh, I think just understanding that everybody's a little bit different, even if they're in your own community. I learned that there's even in the Mor- in the Mormon Church they're not clones. I mean, everybody thinks that. Um, there's a lot of things out there that say certain you know, people in religions are brainwashed or they're all the same. They're really not. They're very, very different and complex. And it's really interesting learning about people's differences and complexities and who they are. And I think that in my business, gay people are all different. We come from all different backgrounds. We all have different needs. And even going on a simple thing as a camping trip, there's ways to just include people, be inclusive of others and allow diversity within your group. We don't all come together and and give each other uh, hugs and sing kumbaya uh, next to the fire every time, but it kind of does have that feel. Mm
0: -hmm. It's critical. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of tolerance, and we are usually asking people to tolerate our gayness or to accept it or to celebrate it. I'm asking for us to celebrate our own queerness. But tolerating uh, other people is usually something we're asking other people to do. But I've noticed that you have the ability to tolerate or accept people that the majority of our gay community uh, would not agree with, such as your, your roommate. You said you have a roommate who's, who's a supporter of Trump. Tell us how, how that works with you. Well, our roommate, who will not be named, although <but laughs> the
1: people that know us know who he is, he's a good person and he comes from a really good background. So, you know, you can see someone through to their heart when they're good, you know, you can kind of just feel it, you know, that someone's good. People are raised different, you know, and sometimes you think, well, okay, I was raised LDS, I was raised in a Republican family. My dad is a kind of a crazy Trump supporter. Why don't all people convert over? And you know, sometimes it could be for money. Sometimes we don't know what people's per, what's going on in someone's heart and soul. We don't know that. So I think with all this rejection in my life, all these things have come up through my my life as just you just can't throw people away. Now, if somebody was to do something, they were really hardcore against my friends or continually pushing and pushing and pushing. Yeah, you just have to, because it's not worth the stress. But our roommate, he keeps it kind of to himself. He will talk about it if you, if you engage. So yeah. what we've been able to do is we've been able to say, let's not talk about politics in the house. We know who each other are and we can get along that way. And we've got a lot more great. We've had our moments.
0: Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, sure, sure, of course. How did you guys become roommates?
1: Hmm. Do you want the real story or the, <laughs> the
0: story? Yeah. well? I want to, I, the, the real story. Is like, were you like, you know, moving stuff off the truck, and that's when you learned that he was
1: no. Uh, actually, we school. met in Arizona. We met in Arizona. Oh, his, okay. Uh, his family has a very prominent business, and uh, and we met while we were in Arizona, and we just kind of hit it off. as actually my husband and him hit it off really well. And, okay. Uh, when we decided we were going to move to California, we contacted him and said, we're moving to California. He lived here, obviously. And we connected as friends when we came here. Hadn't really had a political conversation at that point at all. And then we, we moved into our own apartment in downtown uh, Los uh-huh. Angeles. And after a little while, he wanted to move out of his family's home. And, and we said, come and move in with us. That's right around the time that we, we learned of politics. And that was right in uh, 2016. So it kind of okay. all
0: came together. Wow. Care. So what do you have in common? What what keeps you uh, from ending the roommate relationship?
1: It's nice to have a roommate that can pay the rent every month.
0: Mm-hmm. And, that's, <laughs> and that's a real thing. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Like I said,
1: we, we know he has a good heart. And we, we can talk about everything else. And we, can go, we can go on trips together. We can go dancing together. We can go do all these things. Politics, I know it's a big piece of life, but uh-huh. it's not
0: everything. That's awesome. I just have a lot of respect for that. And... I got to say, that's an interesting thing. I had to do a lot of therapy. I had to do some intense like, men's work and, and other things and confront those political issues before I finally realized what I really want is a conversation with um, people on the other side because I, I want them to respect me and I want to understand them enough to find some way I respect them. And um, it sounds like you were, you, you were able to get there. <laughs> well, kind of.
1: It, we, we're, we're not having that conversation that you want to have. We don't sit at the dinner table and talk about his side and our side and come to an agreement. We don't uh-huh. do that. It's yeah. more like, it's literally what you see on Facebook, except for we say, okay, let's not talk about it anymore. You know? <laughs> so we don't
0: have, it's not a, it's not an aggressive, you know, passive aggressive
1: or a walking on eggshell situation either. We've just agreed to disagree.
0: Okay. Yeah. That, I'm really big on that because what that does is it opens up access to all the places where you do agree. Right. You know, you know and uh, you wouldn't have that if that one thing was too much to get by. Let's uh, move on to another question. What do you think uh, the similarities or differences are between gay people who are, I'll just call them outdoorsmen and to cover all your things, it's, you do way more than camping, way more than off-roading. It's just, what are the similarities and what are the differences between the gay and the straight experience? Wow, <laughs> there's a lot.
1: It's interesting because I've done everything from, you know, going whitewater rafting to going sand rails in the sand dunes and, you know, and, uh, you know, going fishing down in Mexico with my dad. My dad had a TV show growing up for 15 years. It was an outdoors TV show. So I was in that world of being with, you know, the straight guys there. That was a Mormon setting where they're not drinking beer every night. Mm -hmm. And then I have been at the sand dunes with the guys that are all drinking beer and partying and they've got their wives there. It's, it's interesting. The hyper masculine sense of the straight world is kind of like, I, I've gotta, I've gotta be big and bad. And you know, it's kind of like the guy that walks by you and brushes their shoulder next to you, like, hey, I'm bigger than you. It's a super masculine thing. They have that camaraderie and they like each other, so they're not gonna fight, but it's this interesting. I don't know how more to explain it. This, this masculine feel of, are you going to shoot the bigger deer or am I going to shoot the bigger deer? You know, hey, what motor do you have in that? We still do that as gay men, too, with like vehicles and things. But it seems like we're just on a, a wavelength together. And honestly, maybe it's just because I never had that connection with other straight guys that I didn't get how these buddies, bros, are enjoying this because i always,
0: <laughs> I, always I mean i love was, that yeah it's like this I is always was
1: put off by it <laughs> i was always put off by this almost uh it's not keeping up with the joneses but this competitive spirit yeah
0: well i i guess there's a really old quote from a i don't remember the guy right now but he said when two men pass each other on the street one of them loses you know when two men make contact and see you know there's a sizing up we're Seriously? always sizing up and saying I'm the better man.
1: Yeah, yeah and I don't feel that in the gay community. I, you know, I know that we, we we do as a stereotype. People say, "Oh, you know, you're you're good looking. You're not good looking. Oh, you know, this or that or this or that." When we go in the outdoors and we're doing this, I really, really don't feel that. I say that we're we're all here for the same reason. You know, some people are into certain people. There might be some romanticism going on and things like that. But that's not the point. The point is just to be together, to get along in common like, like-minded like interests, if you will. Okay. And and it does feel different. It doesn't have that, that I'm comparing myself to you feel to it. That's what I like about it.
0: So, so that's not there as much. So what, what do the gays bring that you don't see at the straight camping experience? We'll just pick one.
1: I think just they, they want to belong as a yeah. group. They want to belong to... You know, we're we're raised as individuals. You know, a lot of times when we grow up as gays, we kind of have to kind of move ourselves apart from like our straight friends because we know we're different. And so we aren't, don't feel like we're ever part of a group, like actually truly in a group. And so the reason why I, I like the idea of the California Gay Adventures group or any group of its sort is that you actually have a sense of belonging. And people truly want that because we're just such individual creatures as gay men. We kind of have our own little world. We might go see our friends and say hi once in a while, but it's nice to have a little bit more. And what gays bring to it is they bring, I think, that yearning and that desire and they invest themselves just a little bit further into the experience.
0: Well, that's what I've noticed. I think our collective experience of being the other does force us to look at the world in a more cooperative manner where we're looking for ways, like you said, to connect as opposed to ways to dominate <laughs> more so, you know, we're still right. men and we still have all those issues.
1: <laughs> oh yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A
1: bunch of, you know, and you have the A type personalities and you have the, people yeah, who would, would rather follow and We have those too. Sometimes, you know, a group setting is not always for everyone. Sometimes you've, yeah. you've become such an individual and you want to be so independent that it's just, you go to a group thing and you're like, ah, I'm not into this. And you just do your own thing. That's okay, too. That's okay.
0: Well, yeah. So I, I want to talk about the rules for a, a CGA events. They're very clearly stated. You've got rules on sex, politics, noise, nudity. It's funny. I have a copy of the Boy Scout handbook and I just read through it. And none of your rules were in there. Um <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 just, I remember a scout is brave clean reverent obedient thrifty something like that yeah there's brave yeah so the thing is you know part of my story is in 2007 i was international mr leather and you know i would go to events like a thing called gear up where the only rule is uh you can't have a naked butt in the eating lodge <laughs> but uh, um, nudity, sex everywhere, everything, it's part of the event. It's why guys go, you know, and it may be like the alt-rights, you know, nightmare of how gay people are just, you know, this scary thing. But the CGA events are definitely not that. They're much more moderate rules. Like your sex rules are basically just do it where people can't see you. And I know you get pushback on that, amongst other things. And I know outside of the gay community, people would be like, how is that an oppressive rule? Um, And we don't mean to be oppressive at all. There was a a decision to be made.
1: You know, in the four-wheel drive group, it was no big deal. We actually mostly would go on like day trips and then come home and we would maybe do a camp out once in a while. So camping wasn't really that big of a thing. And when we first went on a couple of our first camping trips where there was no rules, it was fine. Everybody just kind of, we went up to Yosemite, we had a group of eight guys, there was no issues. Then I noticed that when we had about 12 guys, there was no issues. When we had 20 guys, there started to become some issues around the campfire at night, you can imagine, you know, things like that. and. I kind of had to kind of go into myself and, and think.
0: I, I have how, to push. We just have to make it clear. <laughs> that was so Mormon of you. <laughs> Issues happen. Um, were, were people having sex at right at the campfire? Yeah, like a blowjob
1: at the campfire. Yeah, where There's other people sitting around and, you know, and, you know, not everybody wants to see that. Some people truly believe like, hey, I'm hot. You want to watch me, you know? And it's like, no, I don't, you
0: know? <laughs> You're, or yeah. you're,
1: not hot, you're not hot to me. Everybody has
0: yeah. likes and dislikes. And maybe and, I'm just not in the mood for sex right now. Yeah, and you're forcing and I, me to participate in your sex scene.
1: Or, hey, we're at a campsite. There's a couple in a motorhome right there. That's mm-hmm. not part of our group. Yeah. And you're going to do this here? This is illegal. And number two, it's just not appropriate. You know, there's well, a time and place for
0: things. Well, And from the leather fetish uh, rules of conduct, that's non-consensual. And it's not Okay. Right. The, the kinky people yeah. would say that's not okay <laughs> if everybody's yeah. not consenting to it. So, Absolutely.
1: Some of our groups, like for example, bullies and sexual aggression, that one's obvious.
0: I think some people don't. I love that rule because I don't think that some people would consider what they're doing aggressive. Uh, they right. just think they're just being, they're having fun, they're just playing a game. And again, that gets to consent. I don't think. Yeah, and you know, we, I have an
1: example. We had, a, we had a camp out near a lake and we had a situation where we had to kick two people out of the group and they're not allowed back in. We banned them from the group. And it was because they, the entire day, they were number one, hitting on people. Number two, touching people inappropriate. And number three, when people did have some to drink the, that night, climbing inside their tent in the middle of the night, that's not right. And so, you know, that is not what we wanna see in our group and we're very, as soon as anything like that happens, it's just, they're out. And so, I I believe everybody in the group has been very good about it. We have had a couple situations.
0: Yeah, people, well, I'll speak for myself. I like rules. I like knowing what I'm going to, I like that other event. I like the event where, you know, people's tents are open and we can watch them have sex or they're doing crazy, you know, fetish stuff like in the main park. And I love your events, because I know what to expect at both of them. It's just a completely different thing. And what I the the thing that I got a chance to do camping with the California Gay Adventures guys is get to know people on a different level. Um, I right. think on the on the heart and head level. And I believe that our crotch may actually get us there, (laughs) but it is good to have uh, some modulated sexual stuff so that we might be, find other ways to connect.
1: Uh, And I believe in that. I'm part of a, I'm actually part of a a nudist group and we go do some of these similar things with different rules, but it's not part of California Gay Adventures. And so, you know, I as well believe that whatever you're getting yourself into, it needs to be very clear. Boundaries need to be set. And so we made a decision to set these boundaries on a broad scope. You know, whether it's nudity or public sex and drinking, you know, drinking, we just say, you know, moderate your drinking. And so, you know, that one's kind of obvious, but for some people, it's not like with nudity. We will, you know, for example, we went on a uh, date trip to uh, Deep Creek and people were hiking naked. We were naked in the in the hot spring. But in the event invite, it was very clear on what we were doing, you know, or if we go to an area where nudity is allowed, we'll say it in the description that say this area has nudity. We go to an area in uh, outside of Palm Springs, we go camping there and people could be naked and it's fine. But mm-hmm. the, po- the sex piece still applies just because the, someone's being a nudist doesn't mean that they can be have sexual aggression towards them, people just grabbing them. Or just have sex next to the fire, or something.
0: I want to go on record as saying that um, being sexually liberated doesn't mean that um, my sexual liberation doesn't mean that I get to just sexually assault you. (laughs) I just I think that's not for you. That's for anybody listening that may be confused about that, and that's the reason I you know have this. I, I like this credential of like you know I'm a big time believer in connecting through sex and fetish and all of that stuff. But we have to, my values, I just don't get to, I don't, I don't get to place my values on you, or my scene on you, as we call it, or my sexual preferences on you, unless we have a discussion and you say, yes, I want that to happen. So,
1: and that's exactly how I feel towards this. I mean, it's funny, because people that just know me through the group, they come on maybe a couple of championships are like, man, he's a prude. And I'm not, you know, people knew who yeah. I was, you know, once they do get to know me in my different areas of life, you know, I'm mm-hmm. pretty open and I'm a very open and accepting and loving person. And as long as there's just some boundaries.
0: Yeah. And that's what you're doing with your group. I think that a lot of people in the LGBT services area get stuck on, you know, everything needs to be allowed all the time. Otherwise, uh, I mean, outside of sex and all that otherwise you're somehow oppressive and right. i would say no this actually gives me freedom to like show up at your event and know that i can i can sit there and i can i can talk to these guys and it's not going to get intensely sexual as if i'm at uh, gear up or if i'm at a play party event here yeah or day. if
1: or if you've maybe had one too many to drink and you do go back to your tent you are going to just go to sleep that you don't have to worry about somebody that, That's going to, hey, I was hitting on you all night. I'm going to come into your tent with you. We really do not want that to happen. No, that's assault.
0: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That's assault. So who's the perfect, the ideal crew member um, on your adventures?
1: You know, we've had so many people come from so many backgrounds. Right now we have like a couple members that have just moved to the United States from different countries that are like, I have never seen anything in my life like this. And they're just, mm. I mean, they jumped in with both feet and they go to every single event because this is something that they've never experienced. And, you know, one was in a country of that's complete oppression and you can't not even be gay in the country. And so, and he's just, I mean, loving it. And then there's other people that are LA natives, you know, they're they're Angelinos, and they've lived a life of, um, you know, we, we talked about that people live a life of, you know, that they've been around this their whole, their whole life and it's no big deal being gay. That's ideal, too, because uh-huh. they have a, a local perspective. Um, and then there's somebody like me that's uh, been outdoors my entire life and knows that we shouldn't go hiking when there's ice on the ground in a certain area because we might slide off and die. Yeah. You know? So it's good to have that, too. Yeah. It's, it's hard to tell you that there's an ideal person. I think it is for everyone. Um, I do have a story. There was one person that was going to come on one of our campouts and he's like, so tell me how this works. You provide a tent and set it up for me. You know, (laughs) at at first I was confused and like, we don't, we don't need people like this, you know, to come. And then I thought about it. it just took me a couple seconds. And I'm like, this is awesome. This is someone that's literally never been in a tent or camping in their entire life. And because they looked through our page and saw how much fun we have together, they want to be part of us. Hmm. And, you know, he's now been on three or four adventures. He has his own tent. He has his own little stove that he brings. Oh, wow. and, and it was just so cool. So I can't tell you we have a perfect person.
0: Well, it sounds like all these people have, you know, a sense of adventure and curiosity and openness, even Absolutely. if their backgrounds are all all different. So that, that's awesome. And, and I do love that. What's going on now with the organization and where do you want to be in the future?
1: Well, I mean, if we talk about COVID, you know, it's been it's been un- unfortunate that we've had to uh, we've had we've had to cancel everything. Up yeah, June. yeah. But we've we've done that for a good reason, obviously. And we don't know what's going to happen for the rest of the year. Uh, we do have a couple events scheduled right now as a kind of watch and go. we're going to go to Pismo Beach, and then we also have a trip planned in September for uh, early September up to Yellowstone, up to Yellowstone the Grand Teton. So uh, we do yeah. we do mostly we do one event a month. Um, that's typically an overnight. We might do an event like, you know, whether it's a going to the beach or having a beach bonfire or, or going off-roading or even go skydiving uh, within a month. Um, and then we'll have one big adventure every year. Last year, we went to Costa Rica. We had 24 guys. We went to Costa Rica for a, over a week for 10 days, and it was amazing. It was yeah. so much fun because it was so different from being a part of like a regular even a gay group tour that you sign on for and you don't know anybody, it's really interesting going with 20 guys. Of course, I knew them all, but some of them knew four, some of them knew three, some of them didn't know anybody. But because we had kind of this bonding and togetherness that some people have with each other, that we were this group together instead of being individuals, and which was really, really cool for a long trip like that. And we hope for that to happen again in Yellowstone in September.
0: Well, that togetherness is one of the things I really enjoyed on your trip up to uh, Zion that I, Dennis and I did with you. And tell us about the, how, you, how you handle the food. I think that's really indicative of how it's community building uh, as well as good logistics. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, it didn't start that way. Um, <laughs> you know, everything is an evolution. You yeah. Mistakes. Yeah. Um, at the beginning, I said, okay, I want this to be as easy as possible for people that are coming. So, of course, I bought this huge, massive excursion and, you know, brought a trailer and had all the ice chests. went and bought all the food. And by the time I got to the campsite, I was exhausted. Yeah. We set, up, we set everything up, and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to go by the fire and go to bed early. I still kind of go to bed early. But now what we do, and it's a lot better, actually, is that we put together um, on a Google sheet, and we just say, okay, these are the meals. These are all the items of the meals. And then I just let everybody know that's going. Go in and select whatever it is—one, two, three items based on how many people are going to be there. And we're relying on you to bring this item so that we can have this meal. It was kind of—I was worried about it. I was what like, are people going to actually bring it? Are we going to have hamburgers with no meat? <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it's you know, going to work out? And it's worked out great. You know, I just send a little r- reminder, but everybody brings a little bit of stuff. We still have the community ice chests and things mm-hmm. like that. And we have a community kitchen that I bring. Now we kind of have it set. We bring the community kitchen. Everybody kind of knows to help, help get it out of the trailers, help set it all up. And then the people that bring those meals, those food items, actually help cook. And then we have people that help clean. We're not quite like the Boy Scouts. You know, when we were in the Boy Scouts where <laughs> yeah. everybody had a specific job. Yeah. But people kind of just a little, we, we bring people together and they help. A lot of the new people, they end up open by the fire, kicking back with a beer. And uh-huh. they're like, why are all these people doing this? And so, you know, we let them do that for a, a one trip or two trips. And uh-huh. then after a while, they've got to help.
0: That's awesome. And you have the per- – whatever they bring, they're responsible for cooking or whatever the thing is putting out. Yeah, and
1: all of us know that there are some people that cook better than others. So sometimes
0: <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it is okay
1: to let those people that are skilled, that enjoy it. Some people actually enjoy it. Yeah, Um, yeah. And they tend to cook a little bit more. But you can also tell when they're a little tired of it as well. And I think Mm -hmm. that we have a great balance there. Um, Sometimes the person that doesn't know how to cook or does not like cooking, they might cut up a few tomatoes and that's it for the whole trip. And that's okay. (laughs) As long as everybody just puts a little bit
0: in. Yeah. And you do have such a great, you have an elegance of handling adult men. (laughs) who sometimes not, might not even be, whose social graces might be a little rusty. <laughs> that happens. <laughs> the Girly Men podcast is about, you know, this hero's journey from oppression to celebration. And um, I believe that all queer people have one. You know, we start in this known place, We go away, we have these adventures, we have these ordeals. We've talked about some of yours with basketball and with with the church. And then we come back and in the classic telling, you know, we come back as in Star Wars, it was a Jedi master, or we come back with the elixir, or we come back with some sort of way of being. Do you believe that you've been on a hero's journey? And I think we have many of them. And if you have, tell us a little bit about that and what you learned. I think it's about. very
1: it's an interesting concept and it's very difficult for somebody to, to say, yes, I'm a hero, you know? But I guess if you really kind of think about it, you well, want
0: to be... This is, let me have another way of taking it. You, I could ask you to tell you your victim story. Tell me how you were <laughs> fucked over. And I think we're, we're really good at supporting each other as victims and how we got fucked over. And yeah. I, I want to support us as heroes having been through a fucked up situation and we came out better men.
1: Well, that word really helped. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I really do believe that I'm a better person because of the tribulations I've been through my life. Mm -hmm. And going outside of just what I've experienced and and what I've overcome and who I am today, it's how you treat other people and what you're doing for others. I, I feel like I actually have a mission to work with other people and to help other people, being being in lockdown right now has me kind of like I want social engagement, and not just to go to a party or do something with other people. I like to help other people come out of their space that they're in and just become more. Um, and that's you know that's that person that's a little bit socially awkward. You know uh, we have a you know we've had those people that have come in to our to our group and. You know, that maybe some people are like, oh, I don't know if this person should be a member. You know, oh, I don't know if this person should be here and say, oh, this is exactly the people that need to be here. We need to be the people that love them and accept them and enjoy them. And we've, we've done that. I believe that we have done that for for some people. You know, some people watching this may say, well, I didn't feel that way. You know, not every, not everything is known. We can't always, you know, we don't have intuition there but we can just be the best we can be my hero's journey is just that we we treat people better in this world and we just give people some a sense of of worth of whatever they're doing even if it's a camping trip
0: that is amazing and hearing the idea that you want to love people into being there being more is what you said that's really wonderful and how different is that from that other attitude you were talking about it's like how do i one-up you
1: <laughs> I rolled my eyes. <laughs> it's so, and, and you do you do see that sometimes? You know, sure. people say, well, you know, when we were moving to LA, we had this whole thing that people were saying, "Don't move to LA. Lihoe is the worst." Everybody judges your clothes and your shoes. And we experienced completely the opposite. Maybe it's just the people you're around. I mean, there is that.
0: Yeah, don't get wrong. There is that. Well, but people confuse. Sometimes people it. talk about. I said, if you're talking about West Hollywood bar scene, then yes. But the same thing's happening on the bar scene on Sunset Boulevard. Absolutely. (laughs) You're talking about bar culture, not necessarily gay culture. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think most of us do want to love each other. Um, The bar scene is harsh and cutthroat and superficial.
1: You know, and, and and we have a. I, I almost say that we have my husband and I. Mm-hmm. We're in different scenes. You know, we go to circuit parties. We love them. Yeah. We 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 have our, our groups of friends that we do, and yes, they are very clicky. I try to, to go out and, and see other other people while we're there. It, it's tough. It is difficult, but we still do enjoy doing those yeah. things as well.
0: Well, I found I just did uh, what may be the very very last gay cruise ever, but. Um... <laughs> Um, I'm sorry, Rich Campbell, that must really suck. I know, I was Um, saying the same thing just now. (laughs) I know, Um, and, uh, you know, I could see all that, but what I did see is these tribes that, you know, these things are so huge that many, many tribes can go onto one boat and create one giant tribe, and that happens as well as the superficial stuff and the other stuff, and it really is where we focus our attention. Um, It's like they said, you know, which wolf will live the, you know, the, the dark one or the one, the light one. And it's like, depends on which one you feed. It's an old story. Mm -hmm. And if you feed the one that gives you negativity all the time, it's going to get bigger and stronger. And if you feed the one that's positive all the time, you'll get bigger and stronger. And I tend to like feed and gravitate towards those people who I see creating community in that scene. And now that I'm 55 and I'm officially an elder, it's my job to, uh, bless, it's like, I'm blessing this, I'm blessing that. And I'm just not giving any attention to that over there. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. Let let them do their thing. So let me ask you the three girly men questions. It's like, how do you um, invest in your own dignity? I mean, what have you what do you do regularly? Or what have you done in your life's journey that has brought you to where you are now you're a leader, you create community, you mentor men, what do you do to like, stoke that mindset?
1: doing it regularly it's it's practice makes perfect for anything it's something that I don't think about obviously Mm -hmm. I just do it and that's why people are like why do you do so many of these things why do you why do you do these adventures so often you just do two or three a year and uh and focus on making money and doing traveling I truly enjoy it I truly enjoy trying to help other people and, and having fun with other people meeting new people how do I stoke my fire I mean you know What do I do? Was it? What does every man do? Go to the gym in the morning, and uh, I I really want to get more into like what you're into with uh, meditation things. I think that could really help me. You know, there's there's some areas that I feel like I've you know I'm lacking as well.
0: Well, I think those events may be more regular for you, too, if I can just, you know, make up that they are practices in the sense that like sitting down and doing uh, meditation or doing a yoga class is a practice. I mean, hiking is a practice. Setting up camp, setting up my tent is a practice. You know, all of those things are ritual. And uh, now that you say that and doing it often, it's just I, I see you participating in a lot of <laughs> ritual on a, on a regular basis.
1: Yeah. Okay. I participate you know? in rituals. That's my answer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, and I love that you're just following your heart. Your your intuition uh, is what it sounds like. And that intuition is coming from a, a community building space, loving people space. And that's amazing. Who do you consider your closest people, your chosen family, the people who will uh, visit you in the hospital and bury you in your, <laughs> or whatever you know, death ritual you have? And, and how do you keep those like that. relationships fresh? Obviously my husband.
1: You know, we've mm-hmm. been together now for over 10 years and married for a little over five. When we were in Arizona, we moved into the same compound, if you will, complex of a house. It was interesting because there was this, this older gay man that lived in the home and rented a room to a good friend of ours. And my brother moved into the guest house. So he's always had a lot of gays come in and out of that house. And it's, that house was known. Good and bad. Um, (laughs) We developed this family. I mean, we actually literally call him our gay dad and our friend that that lives here in LA that he basically, he was going back and forth between the homes, our gay grandpa. He just turned, I I believe he's 90 years old now. You know, he's over 90. And then my brother was in the guest house. We moved into that house and we just developed this kind of family, if you will. And we've had a few other individuals that have entered our lives that we truly believe that are part of that family as well. Yesterday we did a COVID drive by, which is, uh, you know, we had to see them, but you can't get close. So we literally drove, parked on the curb. They're right next to their door. They're older. We don't want to be too close to them. Mm -hmm. So we just talked from about 20 feet away for a little while because, you know, they're they're a family. Yeah. And then, you know, you bring in, you know, certain friends throughout your life. It's very few. Um, in mm-hmm. my in my experience, that mm-hmm. that come within that to use the meet the hawkers thing, you know, the circle <laughs> of trust. You know, there's that small circle that's true. And even if you have this huge network of thousands of people or even hundreds of people that you see on a regular basis, you're still going to have four or five people, maybe even less, that are your true small circle.
0: Yeah, in my experience, that's very very true, and um, that's the reason I'm asking this question to honor those those special relationships because they are a few the ones that last and those people that you can trust in those critical points in your life so that's that's fascinating i didn't know that that story i was going to ask who your mentors are would you consider those two men mentors your gay dad and your gay grandfather
1: absolutely 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 you know our gay dad you know he uh, it was t- it was tough because he went through prostate cancer not too long ago and we thought you know we, thought, oh, we could lose him and it was almost felt like you know a family member yeah and he came right out of it and he, he did great and so he's, awesome he's awesome now but uh for, you know we have the financial talks just like you would your dad <laughs>
0: you know like i could <laughs> that's imagine, great yeah
1: because you know, he's he he's done well for himself but you know in the past when he was my age he, he screwed up too we have those talks. We have the, you know, the disapproving father talks sometimes. <laughs> so I think it's good to be able to have those with your friends and with your chosen family if you will.
0: Yeah, I think that's really, really important. Is there anything else that you want uh, people to know about you or CGA? You know, the
1: only thing other thing I would talk about CGA is probably the kind of misconception. I think I kinda of handled it with the guy with the tent that didn't have a tent. But a lot of people, they're afraid to come on their first adventure. They're, mm-hmm. you know, we have we have 3,800 people in the Facebook group. We now have our website, CaliforniaKAdventures.com uh, that has its own app, and people are starting to go there. But you find a lot of people looking, a lot of people just watching. But, uh, and we do have a lot of people that join, but we just wanna be able to, to extend the invite. You don't have to be a great outdoorsman. You don't have to be someone that has a tent. You don't have mm-hmm. to be someone that even knows how to start a campfire. We do all of that. You don't yeah. you don't have to even bring any of the food or anything the first trip. Just come experience it and see if it's for you. You know, we're we're open for everybody. I finally decided that I need some help. And so we created what's called our small council uh-huh. on drones. And, <laughs> and we said, you know, let's let's get a group that's kind of like our board of directors, but it's our small council, mm-hmm. and they are helping. And they're helping with the adventures each month. Everybody has a different responsibility, Um, you know, as this whole, you know, pandemic that came up kind of squashed that for a little while. But, you know, we're going to get back together again. We'll plan out the year. We'll have everybody have different responsibilities. We'll choose a couple um, nonprofit organizations to support and like throw pool parties and things like that for. We did think that how could we create a way that you could have like a different level that you can earn and somehow you earn these levels. We haven't quite figured that out yet. Um, In order to pay for things that we do, we charge, we do charge for our adventures. Um, A camping trip might be somewhere around $35 to $45. You know, a bigger adventure like Costa Rica or something is going to be appropriate to you know whatever the international or or domestic adventure would be. It's not overtly priced. If you look at competing, you know, commercial endeavors that do it where you don't even know anyone. Um, So I think it's moderately priced. We're trying to figure out a way to like there's other organizations that have like monthly membership dues or annually membership dues. We don't have any of that. So we've kind of been looking at all the different ways Mm -hmm. that we could, you know, whether it's motivating people to do things or it's some way to be able to kind of just give us a budget to be able to work with, to even offer more things for people.
0: Yeah. Well, I I just think that's a great way to make it accessible. You know, you've got your other ways. It's like you don't have to start on the black diamond a trail you know we've got we've got an entry level that we're we've been waiting for you so um, yeah but i I just heard you just say definitely an
1: evolution that we'd like to do and i think that maybe now is a good time to actually start discussing it since we (laughs) don't have a whole lot going on
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i would love to have some of those discussions with you So thank you, Chris, for for doing this. I really think that as an elder, I got to say that um, whether you know it or not, you are a contemporary leader in our community and you are providing really high valuable ways for men to connect through heart-centered connection. Um, That's also very fun stuff that guys like to do. And I know everybody's invited and it's just really true to what we're Doing here at Gurley which is you know honor yourself, exactly who you are, and trust that you you deserve to feel love and love other people, and you provide a way for people to do that. And I just want to thank you for that and honor you for providing that space. Well, thank you. And that, my friends, was Chris Kurahara Smith, a man creating community that helps men find a sense of belonging, knowing that everybody's different and everybody's welcome. As long as they're willing to follow a few rules, some boundaries that keep everybody having a good time getting the experience that they want. I want to thank Chris and the California Gay Adventure team for being on the show and providing awesome events for us to connect in. Thanks for listening to the show, my friend. Now stay connected by subscribing to Girly Men Podcast and sharing with your friends on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts can be found. Visit the webpage at girlymen.com, sign up for the newsletter, and find more details about each episode. Let's make this a conversation, because I'd really like to hear from you. Join us on Facebook at Girly Submit your questions, suggest topics, or just chat with your brothers. Want to add your own two cents? Use the voice memo feature on your smartphone. Ask a question, or say anything. We just might play it on the podcast email the file to mike at girlymen.com. Until next time.